Hello, friends. This podcast topic started to unfold on Saturday of last week. I was driving home from Minnesota. I travel for work. I serve art educators for a living, and this is the season that art educators have their state art education conferences. And Minnesota and Wisconsin collaborated and had theirs together in Minnesota. Gorgeous drive, I must say. And even though I was dog-tired on the way home, that's something that my dad would say, I'm dog-tired. And this podcast definitely has some relevance to my dad. But anyways, um, I was dog-tired and I was driving home and noticed the time and thought, oh, it's time for Saturday night church. So I very carefully managed to put on my phone. I know you shouldn't do that while you're driving, but I did, going to be honest. And um, clicked it to Facebook Live and the St. Mark Lutheran Church in Janesville, Wisconsin. I caught the service and it was the scripture. And when I heard the epistle, so they always do, the Lutheran Church always does something from the Old Testament. And then usually something from the epistles are after the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, comes what's called um, the epistles. And that's usually first the Old Testament, then the epistle, then the gospel. And the pastor always reads the gospel and everybody rises out of respect for Jesus Christ. And so, Interestingly enough, it was the pastor reading because, yeah, apparently it was my turn to read and I didn't show up because I was at this conference, but I think something got mixed up because I knew that I wouldn't be there at the end of October in the middle of November, so I think I just forgot to get a sub, so thank you, Pastor Brad, for reading for me. Anywho, this verse in the epistle was from 2 Timothy 4.8, and it absolutely was divine intervention because it was like God doing the homework for me and what would then turn out to be this podcast. So this is going to be super fun because it's about a cross and a crown, scripture and songs and lots of good stuff. I always give the glory to God for how I come up with this podcast, and maybe he doesn't want me to because these are so silly and I'm so weird, but I think he's good with it because he's God and he works his magic in all of us. God isn't really magical. He's almighty, but I like to use the word magic because it just sounds so fun. Anywho, the scripture reading was about a crown of righteousness. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God, thanks for doing the homework for me. Because today was is a Tuesday that I'm recording this. It re, um, airs on Wednesday, so it's Tuesday night, and I'm recording 
this podcast and today I got a tattoo. I know, right? For those of you who know me, it's probably like my 50th something tattoo. They're not huge. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. Most of them are tiny. Um, but I do love them and got my very first one, which was a cross about seven years and seven months ago. I don't know the exact date, but I knew that I wanted to get a cross because I wanted to have a, I always thought tattoos were the coolest thing in the world, but I'd never get one because my dad probably would have killed me. Um, and plus you probably can't legally get them before you're, um, until you're after you're 18. And then I was just not like I thought grown up shouldn't get tattoos. And then I met art teachers and they had tattoos and I kept seeing tattoos that I loved. And I thought, Ooh, but what if I get a cross? And then like I am in some sort of concentration camp and they'll know that I'm a Christian. Will I be able to withstand the abuse from being a Christian? Cause I have Jesus tattooed on me. And I kind of thought about it and I thought, well, if I can't, then that doesn't say much about my faith. So I made the leap and I got a cross tattoo. It looks junky. Most people thought that it, my niece Emma sort of did a sketchy, sketchy one because that's what I wanted it to look like. And most people thought it was Sharpie and it was pretty awesome because I usually lick my wrist and I'm like, nope, it's real. And so, yeah, that's gross too, but kind of hilarious. So anyways... So that was my first tattoo, and today I got a crown. And my original thought was I, I'm going to get it on my right arm because my right arm is what I call my religious arm. It has a lot of things that are associated with my faith, with Scripture, with the Bible, um, all kinds of clearly imagery otherwise it doesn't make sense but words too um and all of them have a story and i love that and i always love it when people say oh well what is that one about and i'm like well that one's a christmas tree because jesus was born and my sister was getting a tattoo on her birthday and she wasn't getting a large one like she thought she ended up getting something smaller and i'm like oh well, if you have extra time, can you do a Christmas tree? So yeah, it, that's what, where you get after you get a few tattoos, then you'll just put anything on you. Not quite anything, but sort of. So um, part of me wanted the crown because of the song, The Old Rugged Cross. And my demographic for this podcast, most people are probably 40, 50 and older. Some of you who listen who aren't, I love you for being a younger demographic and being interested in listening to this. But if you don't know the song, look it up. It has been recorded by a ton of people. And it's interestingly enough, considered like a country gospel very cool. It was originally recorded in 1915. Um, I think is when the song was like first somewhat recorded. 
1912 is when it was actually written by a man named George Bernard, B-E-N-N-A-R-D. Interestingly enough, he was a Methodist. I wanted him to be a Lutheran. Not really. I'm happy because I kind of dig the maths. That's my nickname for him because it sounds like real rebellious, right? Um, but I think Methodists are cool. Um, one of the coolest experiences I have had is on Good Friday at a Methodist church in Madison. They do a noon service. And at the noon service, at the end of the service, everybody goes up to the altar and stands around this wooden cross that they have um, managed to put on their, I'm going to say stage, but it's their altar. And everybody sings the old rugged cross. It is brutal. Like, seriously, I don't know how you do it without just sobbing. And for me, it's super awful. I cannot truly listen to the old rugged cross without crying because my dad loved the song. So Randy, she's my cousin, sister Susie, you guys know it. You know that this song is just that generation and lots of that generation and the generation before had that song played at their funeral. So my dad would occasionally reminisce and he would start singing it at the table. And next thing you know, he'd be like tearing up, like, come on, dad, why are you doing this to yourself? But Susie gets it more than I do because she's a beautifully sensitive human, whereas I like to keep sadness in the circle, like on the Disney Pixar Inside Out. And I think, why would I listen to the song if I'm just going to cry? I get it now. Like, it's just that impactful and God is so good and it's amazing. But yeah, that is sort of the story on my tattoo of getting a crown. And I'm giggling because I didn't really put two and two together that my first tattoo was a cross and then I would go later after many tattoos to a crown. I just keep thinking of different imagery that will add to my cool right arm, religious arm that gives me lots of opportunity to witness. Plus it's starting to create quite the sleeve and I'm not willing to put um, sort of like filler in because there's always some tiny little piece of something that you can fit in. And I've got six grandchildren who do art, like, come on, that's going to be fun too. So back to the old rugged cross and some scripture. There's some good stuff here. So I loved on Saturday when I was listening in my car ride that the scripture um, from First Timothy four eight, Second Timothy four eight, um, had a verse about a crown, and I was like, "Ah, God, you're doing my homework for me. Thank you." Tonight, when I was looking at um, the Bible Gateway, it that is a really good website, Bible Gateway. 
It's BibleGateway.com. You can look stuff. You can read the Bible. You, there's study tools, explore more. Um, they even have a store, which I always find that a little bit corny, but you can put in like a keyword like crown and put what version of the Bible you want. Like I typically do the new international version, but you know that I've talked about like the message before. Um, so you put the version that you would like in there and then you click the little magnifying glass search button and it will tell you how many times that word shows up in the Bible. And in this particular case of crown, it showed up 71 times. In the Old Testament, about 47 verses, and in the New Testament, 24. And what I thought was interesting is the majority of the Old Testament is truly talking about the crowns of a king um, all over the place, or potentially a queen, Proverbs and Psalm, the Psalms and Isaiah do give sort of a glimpse into the crown that the Old Testament would speak of. And so there's 24 verses in the New Testament and three of the four gospels start with the crown that matters, the crown that is the catalyst for all of us to receive a crown. And in the song, The Old Rugged Cross, and sorry, I just have to go this route, but let's talk a little bit for a minute about George Bernard. He was um, originally converted by the Salvation Army. How cool is that? I don't know if you guys know, but the um, charity Salvation Army not only helps provide clothes and shelter and food for families, they also are a church that witnesses and proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ to families. So Salvation Army was a big organization that my mom and dad supported because I think they liked that they helped take care of people, mind, body, and soul, that they not only fed people physically, but fed them spiritually. So my mom and dad were bell ringers and um, my mom dressed dolls up, you know, they would give you dolls and then you could like put little costumes and doll clothes on them and make them super fun so that at Christmas, um, girls got dolls, um, or kids got teddy bears. And my mom often participated in that. In fact, one time I wore a gold lame dress for a wedding for my best friend, Jody, and it had these, um, um, oh, like sleeves. They were detachable sleeves. So the dress was, and I'm using hand gestures that you can't see, but the dress was strapless. And then we like slid this sleeve on that had this sort of fanned out thing. It was super 1980s. It was ridiculous and so much fun. Anyways, I remember she used the sleeve to make this fancy doll for the Salvation Army. Totally, totally getting off this subject. 
classic Chrissy. But anyway, Salvation Army was where this guy was converted. And then he ended up leaving the Salvation Army to become part of the Methodist Church. And he was at a revival. And there were some young kids that were heckling and haggling him. And he was stressed out because of their um, disinterest and um, ugliness towards the gospel. And he ended up writing the first verse of the old rugged cross. Now, Wikipedia says that he then traveled from Michigan to Chicago um, and to Sturgeon Bay. And in those meetings at in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, is where he wrote the rest of it. Another website said it was um, started in Albion, Michigan, and finished in another town of Michigan. I'm claiming Wisconsin for the rest of the old rugged cross because that's where I live. And I often proclaim Wisconsin is God's country. So I'm pretty sure it happened there. Either way, this song is beautiful because it speaks of the cross. And it says, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. That first verse right there, though, is absolutely beautiful, just beautiful. And I wanted to go back to that because Matthew, Mark, and John all speak of Jesus who lays down his life for sinners for us. And so the emblem of suffering and shame on the cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. And it, it, it was shame. It was suffering beyond what we could possibly no, and it started with Jesus Christ. And it did start with a crown, but it wasn't a crown of glory. Matthew 27, verse 29. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. Mark 1 says they put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. John 19.2, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in purple, a purple robe. And then John 19.5 says, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, 
Pilate said to them, here is the man. Interestingly enough, Pilate calls him a man because he doesn't know. He has no clue, and yet he's afraid because his wife said, I had a dream. Have nothing to do with this Jesus. This is going to lead to nothing but trouble. Boy, was she right, because Pontius Pilate is now the man associated with having Christ crucified. And it started with a crown of thorns. And what's interesting in terms of crowns is the New Testament starts with those four verses speaking of Jesus and wearing the crown of thorns. And then the rest of the epistles, 1 Corinthians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, um, 2 Timothy has two verses, Hebrews has two verses, James, 1 Peter, and Revelation has 11. So 20 verses then speak of crowns as post, I should say like post-crucifixion and post-resurrection more importantly. So let's talk a little bit about that because that gets real exciting real fast. So 1 Corinthians 9.25 is the verse that talks about a crown that we will receive. And Paul is the apostle who was a Jewish rabbi um, high up. He, he had like, he was schooled to the point where he was well-versed on all the Jewish laws, and he, he was angry that, the, um, that there was Christians, that there was this new way, that's what they called it, the way, um, that was happening, and this new church happening that... He, he did not believe that there was a Jesus. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up and Saul becomes Paul. Um, so he, now he is in Corinth and he's talking to the Corinthian people and he's sort of, sort of kind of defending who he is and where he's been and what he, why he does what he does. And so um, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize. And so he's basically talking about the need for self-discipline and the need to keep your, your faith focused. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 
Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating in the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So he's referring to sort of like the Roman Olympics where they used to actually give them like this wreath sort of crown um, as a prize. And obviously that wreath isn't going to last forever. But our faith, our focus of reaching the finish line, which is death on earth, but eternal life in heaven. And that is where we get this crown that will last forever. Very cool. Am I right? Or is the Bible right? I should say, and I will say, yes, Jesus is so right. So then the next one that I super loved in this was James 1. Because James, the brother of John, writes one of the books of the Bible. And he says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So the Lord promises a crown of life. Who doesn't want that? So let me just tell you my tattoo. Um, I started to think about getting one that was just kind of like almost um, Basquiat-like. And Jean-Michel Basquiat is a famous artist. Um, God rest his soul. He died at the age 27. Very kind of street art and kind of um, funky and fun. And he's got this little dinosaur with a kind of funky little crown on. And at first I was thinking about one of those. And then I decided, hmm, I kind of want it to be kind of girly because I'm a girl and I think I'll get a girl crown. And so I started looking at some other crowns and my, the crown that I got is definitely has pink in it because that's girly and I like the color pink. Um, and it's got a cross on it, but it kind of looks a little bit like Queen Elizabeth's crown. I know, right? Getting a little heady on this whole crown situation, but I'm like, if you are the daughter of a king, you're, and the king of kings, I might add. And I love that title for Christ, the king of kings. Like, I can almost imagine that when Elvis, the king of rock and roll, got to heaven, there he would kneel before the king of kings. That is exactly what the minister at Michael Jackson's memorial service said, that tonight the king of pop kneels before the king of kings. And I was just like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever, right? And so, you know, if the king of kings is calling me his daughter, I want a fancy crown. And I love this because that's God's promise. That the Lord has promised to 
those who love him. So the one who perseveres under trial and having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Life isn't easy, friends. Even when you love Jesus, it sometimes just gets hard and messy. But when the Lord has promised to those who love him that we will receive a crown of life, that we will withstand this earthly mess, this earthly hell sometimes, and life isn't easy. I mean, my goodness. How many of us have suffered loss? How many have suffered from sickness or financial issues or hurt or, you know, struggles in communities and in our city and nation and the the world i mean oh my gosh just natural disasters and the war in ukraine and school shootings oh my gosh i don't i don't want to turn this podcast into a debbie downer because god promises to those who love him that we will receive the crown of life this is temporary and so we must honor God and serve God and love God and be so proud of who we are. And today when I was getting my tattoo, we were talking, my tattoo artist and I were talking and sometimes I get real frustrated with my church. And she's heard me talk about this before. And she said, Hey, I do have one question. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. It's okay with you. And I'm like, yeah, ask away. I love a good question, especially about my faith. And she said, if you get so frustrated at your church, why do you stay? Why don't you go somewhere that you'll be happier? And then I felt bad. I felt bad because I hope I don't make it, make her feel like I don't like my church, but I also wanted her to know that I know church is broken because she thinks church is real broken. And I don't, and Christians are real broken because there's so many out there that are just judgmental. And so I sometimes just agree with her on that. But I think I've over agreed to the point where she wondered like, well, why do you go to church then? And for me, the answer was easy. And I said, I love the humans that go to the church that I go to. They are some of the most amazing human beings that would do anything for you and that help edify me and they treat me with such kindness and love and respect and just it's a beautiful place to be and I do get fed at my church. It's the man-made rules that I disagree with and I stay because I hope to make them better. I hope to be a little Martin Luther-like and point out, hey, church, we can do better. That's what I think Martin Luther wants us to do. And so, you know, I know I know what being a Lutheran's like. And so I keep saying things I disagree with and things I wish we would do better. But I also participate because 
if you sit on the sidelines, you're not making an impact on the game, right? I'm going to go back to um, 1 Corinthians and, you know, I, I don't want the crown that isn't going to last forever. I don't want to just win the race because, you know, I sat on the sidelines and the other and the team won and I get the Super Bowl ring just because I was on the sidelines. No, I want to have an impact in the actual game of life and in the game of church. And so I participate in hopes that, uh, that we will do better. And so, yeah, that is an interesting situation in regards to being a Christian and, and why we do it. And, you know, not always agreeing and, uh, and understanding why people think Christians are crazy. And I am a perfect example of that. But I like having those conversations. And I like the fact that I have a good enough relationship with my tattoo artist that we can agree to disagree on some stuff and have conversations. And we meet in the middle in this place of likeness and similarity and that can only be connected to the fact that we are both made in the image of God and that God looks down on both of us and loves on us so much and desires for us to have a heart for Jesus. You can probably imagine I got a little sidetracked there, but I didn't, so I didn't quite finish the New Testament verses. I also like the verse in 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Whew, that's a good one too. I mean, like all the reasons why I have this crown on me. In Revelation there is 11 verses with crowns and it's interesting because some of them speak of the crowns that we will get like revelation 2:10 do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer i tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days be faithful even to the point of death and i will give you life as your victor's crown um I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And then some of it is what John saw. Um, 24 seated on the throne with them, 24 elders, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Um, another about 24 elders with crowns. Um, the uh, white horse and the rider, and he was given a crown. Um, then there is even some talk of like the woman and the dragon and this red dragon and horns and all the horns had crowns on it, the beast out of the sea and 10 crowns on its horn, um, real crazy stuff like that. Um, and then Jesus himself, um, his eyes like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. 
He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. So Revelation gets real crazy with the crowns. Um, it does when it says with many crowns. It makes me think of the other song that I love so much, which is um, Crown Him with Many Crowns. The first verse is Crown Him with Many Crowns, the Lamb upon His Throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of Him who died for thee, and hail Him as thy matchless King through all eternity. And there is a ton of verses. It's one of my favorite hymns too. And I think this one's one of my favorite hymns because this is a song that you're going to sing more on an Easter side of things, whereas the old rugged cross is going to be more at the foot of Good Friday. And <clears throat> you hear it at, at funerals because somebody has died and clearly at that moment they are trading their cross for a crown but you're usually so sad about it and the beauty of trading your cross for a crown does move you to tears so kind of get it dad why you like to sing it because clearly you're passionate about the cross but then you get to the trade your cross for a crown and it makes you think of the people that have fallen asleep in Jesus before us and we get real sad. Let me just tell you, the year, a few years after my dad died and when my mom was not super well um, in a nursing home, Vacation Bible School decides that they're going to throw the old rugged cross into the CD mix. I had to walk out of the sanctuary every time they sang the old rugged cross because I just couldn't get through singing it. I tried to be like, oh, like this song is great. And these kids were like really loving it. And I think the idea of like, yay, I'm going to get a crown. This is going to be awesome. But clearly when you're little, you haven't suffered a whole lot of loss yet. And so they didn't have the pain that comes with it from those of us who had lost someone. And then of course, like my daughter said today, like, can you hear them? And I kind of was like, what? And she's like, when you think of the old rugged cross, can you hear Papa sing it? And I'm like, yes, I can. And that makes me a little verklempt. Um, I'm guessing right now my sister's crying and sorry, Susie, hate to call you out, but you are one of the most beautiful humans I know and you are sensitive and show your sensitivity and I wish I could be more like you, but, um, I'm not because I suck it up real, real fast. And so that's the cool part though, about the old rugged cross. That is the foot of Good Friday that leads to Easter and then we can crown him with many crowns. And, and I love the fact that he's going to share his crowns with us and give us a crown. Um, the old rugged cross points to our sins and why Jesus would die for us. Um, and the trading the cross for a crown 
and the crowning him with many crowns points to the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ and his Savior. The law is the crown of thorns. The gospel is Christ coming back in a crown of glory and a crown of gold and many crowns and gives us a crown of righteousness. That's exciting stuff. That is life-saving stuff. Thought you might need a little stretch break, so I threw in the commercial. Sorry, I keep forgetting to announce it, but it's there and it's good. So on Saturday when I was driving, 2 Timothy verse 4, 8 was the scripture reading, and it says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And I knew that the crown was the right tattoo for me, and the old rugged cross and the crown of crowns while the verses are fabulous the words of God in the Bible just solidify everything and I there's so many verses in crown him with many crowns and so the one that I definitely want to share with you is crown him the Lord of heaven enthroned in worlds above Crown him the king to whom is given the wondrous name of love. Crown him with many crowns as thrones before him fall. Crown him, ye kings, with many crowns, for he is king of all. And it is so true, and because it is so true, I will cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and it, and exchange it someday for a crown. And I hope the same for all of you.